0: This brief lecture is going to look at interest groups as they participate in the electoral arena. This is definitely one of the most important ways that interest groups get involved in politics, but really it's not the most important in the sense that it's anywhere near getting them to the preferred policy outcomes that is their goal in political activity. Um, it's really the entry point and it's a very important entry point. Uh, so what I'm going to look at today is how uh, interest groups provide campaign support, what that support does for candidates, and what the intended benefits are for interest groups in participating in the electoral arena in this way. Um, so what do interest groups do to try to, can, to, try to support candidates? Uh, first of all, of course, what interest groups are looking for are favorable candidates. And what is a favorable candidate? A favorable candidate is, one, somebody who supports the policy preferences of that interest group, to somebody that is going to act on that support because it's not just enough to actually say, yeah, sure, of course I support the goals of the National Rifle Association, or I support the goals of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, or I support the goals of Greenpeace. Um, The candidates also have to look like the kind of people who are going to actually uh, actively support those goals, use their position to further the policy preferences. Interest groups don't just want people who give lip support, Uh, lip service uh, to uh, their policies. They actually want genuine support. So one, they want somebody who supports. Two, uh, they want somebody who actually is going to act on that support, but three, they also want somebody that is capable of winning. Interest groups, like all uh, actors in the political arena, have uh, limited resources. Even if you have a ton of money or you have a ton of members, no matter how much uh, you have in terms of resources, you always have a limited set. And there are 50 state legislatures. There's the US Congress. There are uh, all kinds of elected offices at the local level. There's all kinds of executive positions uh, at this federal level. There's just the presidential election, but there are all kinds of executive positions at the state level that uh, have an impact on what interest groups want. There are so many uh, elections that interest groups could get involved in. They obviously have to pick and choose not only which uh, offices are going to be the ones that are going to help advance their, uh, agenda, but which people filling those offices are likely to actually help advance their agenda. Um, so the, that's one of the things they have to look around. Who is in support? Who's likely to actually uh, you know, uh, act on that support? And who can win these particular offices? So interest groups actually spend a lot of their energy. And the nice thing is, is, this, is a, this is really an energy-intensive uh, not a money intensive activity. Uh, Obviously, if you have paid staffers who can pay attention to the 50 state legislatures and all these other offices, it's going to be very beneficial uh, rather than having volunteers. Or if you have 20 paid people instead of two paid people, it's gonna uh, be uh, an easier task to figure out where to send your resources. But this is mostly about energy and time. Uh, Interest groups will spend an awful lot of time looking at potential candidates. What are they gonna do? Once they identify offices that are important for them and uh, people who support their positions who are also likely to actually act on that support. Uh, There are three main pieces of campaign support that interest groups can provide. Uh, One, they can provide endorsements. Uh, Endorsements enable interest groups to express to their members who it is that they uh, think that those members ought to vote for. If an interest group has a lot of members, an endorsement is going to be a very powerful uh, form of campaign support. In fact, that could be with a lot of members who are actually unified behind what that interest group wants. That could be enough campaign support for a candidate to actually uh, get them across the finish line to win. It could be also just uh, you know enough that the interest group can say, well, we're giving you our endorsement and we're putting uh, that in our uh, newsletter, our email newsletter that goes out to all of our members and uh, our members tend to read this and act on our endorsements, particularly in down ballot races where there's not a whole lot of information uh, uh, that they have. They'll rely on our endorsement. So endorsement is a really big thing. Candidates seek endorsements from interest groups, uh, and they trumpet their endorsements because it shows that they have uh, support in the community. Um, The second thing is the thing that is probably most widely known and talked about is monetary donations. Interest groups can obviously put their money behind candidates. Now, this is where there's actually a big scarcity problem. Uh, With an endorsement, you can, you know, you can endorse one person in every race in the country and that costs just research time and energy and then whatever it takes to send out, you know, produce and send out the newsletter. Uh, typically, interest groups aren't gonna endorse in every, every race, but endorsements cost very little in terms of money. Donations, however, are uh, relatively expensive uh, because you, you, know, you, you wanna give enough money to actually make some kind of difference and you can't necessarily give money to every single person that you're going to endorse. Um, The uh, uh, final thing that interest groups can give to a campaign, in addition to an endorsement and and money, is activist energy. Uh, Interest groups will frequently uh, link their members directly with the campaign by actually recommending that their members uh, volunteer for the campaign or in fact just saying, hey, we're going to put you on our uh, slate card that we're going to send uh, out into the field with our activists who are going to be knocking doors with a slate card saying, here are the 10 candidates in Multnomah County that we're recommending from Multnomah County Commission for city council, for state legislature, for secretary of state, secretary of treasurer. Uh, we're going to go out and do some campaigning for you. Uh, so activist energy can either be activated on directly by sort of shuffling activists over to the campaign by recommending through endorsements and through uh, sort of uh, the internal networking that people who wanna get involved with the campaign go volunteer for this particular candidate for city council that will help support our interest group that you're a member of. Or they can actually just take it upon themselves to use their own canvassing, their own phone banking, uh, their own door knocking when door knocking is a thing, which it will be again at some point uh, to, to support that candidate. Now, why would an interest group do this? Why would they give an endorsement? Why would they donate money? Why would they use their activist energy, which they could be using for other things, achieving their other goals, uh, uh, or achieving the same goals through other means, using their activist energy to raise more money, using their activist energy to lobby uh, a legislature, uh, using their activist energy to generate more members. There's all kinds of stuff that an interest group could do with its money and its energy, uh, other than supporting candidates. Uh, so when they choose to use these resources for campaigns, and not every interest group will put a lot of their resources into campaigns. Some are all in for campaigns, and then they kind of leave it from there. Others put a little energy into campaigns. Some put none at all. But those who put some or, or a lot of their uh, resources into the electoral arena are seeking a number of benefits, right? They're they're doing this for their own purposes. And an interest group, an organized interest group, uh, is organized to advance that group's policy preferences. Number one is probably the most obvious. Uh, You want to have favorable office holders. Uh, When you are trying to get policies enacted in a democratic system, you need office holders who are going to uh, submit bills, write bills, support them in committees, vote for them uh, on roll calls. If you're talking about office holders who are uh, executive branch regulators, you want those people to write those regulations and put them in the process of becoming regulations. So obviously, when you have Uh, people in office who support your position your agenda your preferred policies you're better off than if you don't now i'm going to talk uh, in future lectures about what interest groups do even when they don't have favorable office holders Um, because one of the things to note about uh, the electoral arena is that whether the candidates that an interest group supports win or lose electoral activities are only the first stage in the process of getting your preferred policies across the finish line even if you get a bunch of people elected who are pledged to support your position and who you've sort of vetted to make sure are actually going to strongly support it, and not just sort of put it on a back shelf, um, you still actually, as an interest group, have to get those people to follow through on their support and their actual sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, act, you know their, their pledge to actually make this a top priority. So the electoral arena is still just the first round. It's very important, it makes the next round, the actual lobbying for policies, which I'm gonna talk about in future lectures, it makes it easier, the more favorable office holders that you have. Um, So what electoral activities are intended to do is to actually uh, make it uh, the environment where the real work happens, the actual lobbying to get policies passed, to make that environment a more favorable one. Uh, The second intended benefit is connected to that, uh, which is that you have access to winners uh, when you provide support to a candidate, uh, when they're in office uh, and they get a bunch of phone calls, a bunch of emails, a bunch of requests for uh, uh, meetings, a bunch of requests for personal appearances, uh, it, as a supporter, as a group that helped get that person into office, they're going to take your call closer to the top of the list. Uh, they're going to take your call at all. They're going to make that meeting happen, not in six months or at some Vague future time, but within a week or within a month. Uh, so you're going to get access to winners. Um, access doesn't automatically translate into victory in the policy arena, and this is one of the things uh, that happens: is that candidates who win have multiple supporters, and they're going to give greater access to the people that supported them. But the candidates themselves are now the office holders; are going to have to balance how much they act on the different preferences of the people who they give access to. But access is superior than lack of access just because it's always a good thing to get your ideas into the heads of policymakers, into their into decision makers as they're actually making those decisions. Uh, If you don't have access to them, they could have been supportive of you and very enthusiastic in the endorsement meeting and then they forget about you because being an office holder is a very busy, very busy uh, activity and access is not so much about the ability to bend somebody's elbow so much as just to remind them that you're there, that you were a supporter, that there are things that you're hoping that will uh, be accomplished uh, in their term of office. The third intended benefit is connected to uh, the second one, which is interest groups are hoping to foster the dependency of an incumbent upon their continued support. Uh, One of the things about policy making is that typically it's a a long-term process. If you're an interest group that wants a particular policy uh, and you get a bunch of people elected uh, who support your policy, you're probably not going to get that policy enacted within the first year or even the first two years you're looking to foster long-term relationships also you have a variety as an interest group you have a variety of preferred policies and you also know that even if you have a win today you're going to want a new win uh, five years from now so you're looking as interest group leaders uh, to foster these long-term relationships that will continue to pay off Uh, long-term relationships are actually better than short-term relationships because there's a closer connection Uh, when you have access to the winners if you have been supporting uh, that incumbent for 10 years, not only are you going to have greater access than people who've only been supporting for two or four years, but they're going to be used to your priorities. They're going to be used to thinking about your issues and they're going to be uh, um, keyed to the long-term support that you have provided for. Um, A lot of times I like to flip the uh, sort of viewpoint on politics from uh, the group I'm studying, in this case interest groups, to uh, a group they're interacting with, uh, office holders. Think about this from the perspective of somebody who is an office holder, who is uh, an elected official. If you're an elected official, you got into politics to do something. Uh, you didn't just get into politics for the power, fame, and money, because even though there's some of those available, really, you get into politics, most people get into politics, not 100%, but most people get into politics to do good in the world. Quickly you realize, if you didn't know this already when you actually uh, went in, but you quickly realize that in order to make a difference in the world, in order to get the things done that are important to you, that have you in this political arena, that subject your family to uh, elections, that uh, put you in this in this you know job that is very difficult and time-consuming. Uh, in order to get the stuff done that got you into it, you have to keep winning. You can't just win once and get a policy victory and be like, "Did it? Ting, uh, punch your card and move back to the private sector." Some people actually get into office and realize, "Oh, this is a lot harder than I thought." Those people tend to get out or they adapt their expectations. But office holders, people who have had to run for office, uh, know that in order to have an impact, they have to get re-elected. And even if you have a quick success, you get elected on a platform and you enact a policy that was your, one of your promises really quickly, that's going to give you a taste for victory and you're going to say, oh, I can get stuff done, I can get more done, right? Politicians want to win re-election, not just because they want to have the same position and a secure position in power and, 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 and all that security. They want to continue getting re-elected because they want to get more and more stuff done. Seniority is very important, uh, particularly in legislatures. uh, Committee uh, chair positions are really important. These don't come automatically or quickly upon being elected. So, as an elected official, you need to get re-elected. Elections are a real pain, particularly if you're on a short electoral cycle. If you're on a two-year electoral cycle, like members of the House of Representatives, members of many state uh, legislatures, you're on a two-year election cycle, you basically have to start Compiling resources for your re-election campaign pretty much as soon as you take office now Time is a scarce resource for everybody uh, and it's particularly a scarce resource for office holders who you know it's, There's only a 24-hour day. There's only so many days uh, uh, In the two-year or four-year term that you have um, There you have to sleep you have to spend time with your family you have to you engage in all of the sort of things that keep you whole and sane as a person, and then you have to divide your time between your legislative activities and your re-election activities. If you can spend less time on your re-election activities, you will be grateful, and in fact, uh, this is where uh, fostering dependency uh, of incumbents comes in as a, 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 a potential benefit for interest groups. If you as an interest group can provide the kind of resources without the office holder having to go out there and scrounge them up themselves uh, that will help their re-election campaign. If you can say, hey, yeah, you know, you're gonna get these donations next time and you're gonna continue to get our endorsement uh, and we're going to lend our activist energy to your campaign, we're gonna make sure your name is uh, out there so that you have the name recognition. Uh, We're gonna help get you re-elected with minimal effort on your part. you will be very grateful because what that means is that now you can spend more of your time doing the thing that you ran for office to do, which is you know, write bills, uh, be in committees, forge, forge uh, coalitions and relationships that will allow you to get voters, uh, other, other members of the legislature uh, um, to vote for the things that you want. The more time you as an office holder have to actually do the job that you got elected to do, the happier you're going to be because you're going to be more successful. Uh, so naturally, Anybody who helps you do that obnoxious job of having to compile resources to run for re-election, uh, helps you do that job more quickly, you're going to be grateful to them. You're also going to be much more likely to listen to their priorities. You're gonna give them greater access. Uh, if somebody saves you time, you're going to be extremely grateful to them. And so the, I would say one of the biggest benefits that interest groups look for is forming these long-term relationships And fostering the dependency of incumbents upon their continued support because if you can get incumbents dependent on your support, then you actually have leverage and say, hey, you know, you've been in office now six years, you're running for a fourth term and we want to support you, but we haven't seen enough action on your part to support and advance our priorities. So now's the time, right? We've been solid backers of you and uh, incumbents now, say you've won three successful uh, races and uh, you're looking at the people who supported you and they're maybe shaky in their future support and they're even possibly saying, well, there's somebody else who's more energetic who we could support instead of you. Uh, You know, you're gonna gonna be like, oh no, no, okay. That thing that you wanted me to do, I'm gonna move that closer to the top of my priorities. And now that I have I've, I'm, I'm coming up for my fourth term, I'm gonna get the chairmanship of this committee, I'm gonna be able to advance uh, this bill, and I'm going to, going to be able to make sure that the obnoxious amendments that you want don't get attached to it, and I have relationships with other legislators, good, good, I have the ability now. So interest groups understand that politics is a long game, they understand that long-term relationships are important, and so a big part of their campaign support is to uh, build, get favorable winner, favorable office holders get winners, but to get access, but to build these long-term mutually supportive relationships. It's a mutually supportive relationship. Um, okay, so, so that is uh, interest groups in the electoral arena. That's why they do it. Uh, and uh, the resources that they bring to bear to help get favorable uh, candidates elected are, in many cases, very valuable. Uh, it is, You'll see with all the discussion of, of lobbying techniques, it's always going to be easier to successfully lobby people who initially supported your position doesn't mean that you're doomed if your candidates lose and some of the people win it's just a much bigger hill to climb to get your policy preferences enacted if you don't have favorable people if you don't have people that you supported you know maybe uh, the the winners are uh, from a party that would tend to support your view if you're you know if you're a Greenpeace uh, activist you want more democrats rather than more republicans but if a bunch of democrats win who you haven't supported your organization hasn't supported they're not gonna grant you a lot of access. They're not necessarily gonna think of you as important to their re-election prospects. So you not only want winners, you want close relationships, but the uh, ability to forge and maintain those relationships begins with electoral support, but it doesn't end there. And even if there are people who you didn't support, uh, in fact, people who you supported their opponents, that doesn't mean that there aren't things that you as an interest group uh, can't do to successfully lobby. And that will be the topic of the next lecture.